Coming up on the Rami Lavi podcast, game seven. Memorial Day is today, but we got the biggest game in sports. Game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. After a crazy wild ending to game six, how did we get here? Is Miami going to blow a 3-0 lead? Is Boston going to come back from a 3-0 lead again? All that and a whole lot more. We talk about it next on the Rami Lavi podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One of the things I talk about on this podcast a lot is the stigma against mental health. I think, unfortunately, there has been a stigma, but we're slowly breaking it. And if you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, overwhelmed, or maybe you just want to talk to someone, today's sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help. Talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help access your specific needs and then you get matched with a therapist in another 48 hours plus you can exchange unlimited text messages and everything you share is completely confidential so i talk about on this podcast how your mindset towards things changes everything one of the things that i learned in therapy was that join the two million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced better help therapist get 10 percent off your first month at betterhelp.com slash rami that's my first name that's betterhelp b-e-t-t-e-r H-E-L-P dot com slash R-A-M-I, my first name, Rami. If you use that link, the link is in the description, in the podcast notes. If you use that link, you'll get 10% off and it'll also help me out. So please do that. I'm telling you it's worth it. Do it today. Welcome back to the Rami Lavi podcast, episode 151. Today is... Monday, it's Memorial Day. Uh, Thank you to those who served. Happy Memorial Day to everyone enjoying their time off. All that good stuff. And we have one of the best things you can ever have in sports. And it starts tonight. Game 7. Game 7 of the NBA Eastern Conference Finals between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. And the last time we spoke, Boston was down 3-1 in the series. I told you it wasn't over. Um... It was easier to say that after it was 3-1 and Boston had two of the next three games at home. And obviously, um, you know, the way they looked in game three, the way they looked at the end of game three, you wouldn't have said this series is not over because they gave up at the end of game three. And you thought after the game, it's like, hey, just don't let us get one. Well, they're just kind of quoting Kevin Millar at that point. But we'll talk about all those parallels because there are a lot of them between Kevin Millar and the Boston Red Sox in 2004. And now, obviously, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Derek White in Boston in 2023 with the Boston Celtics. And I guess Derek White, I don't know, what is he? Is he Kevin Millar? Is he Dave Roberts? Probably one of the two. Probably more than one of the two. He might be Big Poppy for all we know. 
But how do we get here? How do we get from a series that felt like it was over, a series that felt like Boston had quit, a series where all we were talking about last time we talked was Heat Culture, Jimmy Butler, Eric Spolstra. I mean, that was the title of the podcast. Eric freaking, or sorry, Jimmy effing Butler and Eric Spolstra. Their magical run, what they've done, how it's so special, all those things. And now three days later, we're sitting here looking at a game seven And if you're Miami, you're wondering, how the hell did we get here? And if you're Boston, you feel all the momentum. And yet, it doesn't feel like a certainty. It doesn't feel like a lock that Boston's definitely going to win this game. In any other scenario, I would tell you, the way this has gone, yeah, the team that just won three in a row has all the confidence. Should have lost game six, by the way. Should have lost game six on the road. The series should be over. Get that magical win. Yeah, they're going to come home and they're just going to blow the doors off of the Miami Heat. That crowd is going to be rocking. And by the way, shout out to the Miami crowd because that Miami crowd was into it the entire game in game six. And the Heat couldn't get anything going. But you know that the Celtics crowd is going to be just as rocking, if not more. Their team came back. All of a sudden, this team that they hated on, ah, fucking... Jalen Brown sucks. Joe Mazzulla, get him out of here. All those people. Yeah, those guys. I don't know if that counts as curse. I'm, I don't know. Whatever. Um, but yeah, all those people are now fully on the bandwagon. Back. Ah, Boston, we never lost faith. Boston in seven. We said it the whole time. Yeah, you never said that. Uh, the TNT crew, I mean, you saw how their demeanor shifted after game three. It was like, this series is over. That team gave up. And then even after game four, just one win when they're like, yeah, uh, don't count them out yet because I don't know, like again, Boston don't count them out yet because they're the better team. They have been the better team. They're the better roster. That's what I said last episode. I still didn't see it, but now it's obviously very tangible. It comes down to one game. And that's the thing. The fact that this was a 3-0 lead doesn't matter anymore. It It's not completing a 3-0 comeback anymore. It's winning one game. All it takes is one game on your home court with your crowd supporting you behind you tonight. The team that went to the finals last year, that won game seven on the road in Miami against this same Miami team last year. Jimmy Butler misses a three. They were that close to going to the finals. The Heat were last year. Instead, the Celtics go to the finals. The team with the finals pedigree or the whatever championship pedigree, they didn't win the championship, but the team that is considered better, younger, all that stuff now has an opportunity to win one game at home in front of their home crowd to go for a trip to the NBA finals. And yet it doesn't feel like a lock that that's going to happen. So how did we get here? Well, it started after the most lifeless performance I've ever seen in game four or game three, rather. They somehow find a way to win game four on the road. Miami shouldn't have let them win that game. In retrospect, yeah, Boston was right. Don't let us win that game. They win that game. And then they go home for game six. Jimmy Butler stinks. He only attempts 10 shots from the field. He looks scared to shoot. I don't remember seeing Jimmy Butler look scared to shoot. And then it carried over to game six where he's not even looking at the basket. And I talked about that. He crowd was so into it. They were an awesome crowd. Jimmy Butler stinks. Bam Adebayo stinks. And then you have, on the other side, Jason Tatum knocking down these turnaround these turnaround jumpers. I was watching it with a Heat friend, friend of mine. And I look at it, and I'm like, you're screwed, dude. Like, this, this is over. 
if Tatum's hitting that on a consistent basis, if he's hitting that turnaround 18-footer, it's over for you. You're done. And it felt that way. Marcus Smart is getting easy buckets. It's like, oh, Smart knows what's on the line. Boston's winning this game. And Miami just kept it close. They knocked down threes. They kept it close. Boston on the other side couldn't hit any threes. And that was really the difference in the game. They kept it just close enough. Um, but Boston is still up 11 uh, towards the end of the third quarter. And then from the end of the third quarter, after being up 11, from the end of the third quarter to the beginning or the seven-minute mark, I should say, of the fourth quarter, Miami goes on a 15-3 to run. Um, that lasts till the seven-minute mark to go up 83 to 82. So Miami goes on a crazy 15 to three run to take the lead 83 to 82. And Joe Missoula doesn't call a timeout at that point. And I noted it at that point because I know one that's one of the things that Boston fans have been complaining about. Like when we're up and the other team goes on a run, you never do anything to stop the run. He doesn't call timeout there. He says, No, I trust my team. It was the right move ultimately because he definitely needed that timeout later, right? <laughs> we'll find out. We'll talk about that. And Boston, credit to them, they recover with Jalen Brown. Has immediately he has that four point play where he gets the technical free throws after getting the bucket, right? So he has the four point play on that play immediately down the other end. He then gets another two free throws, so six consecutive points for Jalen Brown. So Jalen Brown now uh, gives Boston a five point lead. Then Duncan actually. Robinson goes off. He starts hitting layups. He hit a three-pointer. And then on the other side, Derek White hits a huge three. Boston back up 10 after, you know, being up 11, then down one. They go back up by 10, four minutes to go. And then this is what Boston's done. They're up 10, four minutes to go, and they stop playing. They fall apart. Their offense gets stagnant. They're stuck in the mud. It's just dribble, dribble, dribble. You dribble now. Now you dribble. No offense, no movement, nothing. They missed nine consecutive shots from that point till the final shot of the game, which obviously we're going to talk about. Meanwhile, on the other side, Jimmy Butler, who was three for 17 at that point, stunk the whole game. All of a sudden, he's like, hey, oh, I'm Jimmy Butler. Okay, let me do this. He hits a three. I, I said to the to my friend earlier, I said, he just needs to get to the line. He needs to keep going inside because if he gets to the line and sees a couple free throws go down, then he can hit a jumper. He can't hit any of these jumpers right now. Like I said, he wasn't even looking at the basket. He was passing it to a couple, to other people. He didn't want the ball. He almost looked like Ben Simmons out there. Every time he touched the ball in the middle of the paint, I said, he just got to get to the rim, got to get one foul called. He gets the foul call, hits a couple of free throws. Then he knocks down that huge three. And at this point, it's I guess it's, it, it, they cut it to one, and then Duncan Robinson misses two wide open threes. And the set, the first one I actually said, I was like, he missed that three because he just stood there for too long thinking about it. Like he had the, the, the shot wide open on the wing, on the right wing, and he just sat there like thinking about it for a minute. All the other shots he hit, like I mentioned earlier in the run, he hit a couple of huge shots for them. He misses that one. Then he misses the one on the left side. I, I do think the first one was more mental where he's you see him pause for a second, think about taking the three. Nobody comes out on him, thinks about it again, and then finally shoots it. He was wide open. He misses those two threes. They have to foul up, or I guess they're only down one. They have to foul Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart, though, instead of knocking down both free throws, Marcus Smart goes one for two from the line. And then with about, I think it was 16 seconds left at that point, Eric Spolstra doesn't call timeout. He says... 
all right, I'm going to let you cook, Jimmy Butler. You've you've looked scared out there. You didn't want the ball. Then you all of a sudden, you knock down these huge shots. You're knocking down free throws, but then you're passing it out to Duncan Robinson, and he's missing. But I trust you. You're Jimmy Butler. You're playoff Jimmy. You be the guy. Go be the guy. And what does Jimmy Butler do? He immediately runs to the corner and traps himself in the corner. I didn't understand that at all. If there was a microcosm of everything that Jimmy Butler did in this game that was like not so not Jimmy, what he did it really in game six and game five, the last two games, it's like, who is this guy? This isn't the guy that we've seen. This looks like regular season Jimmy Butler, not playoff Jimmy Butler. He runs into the corner, gets trapped in the corner with Al Horford draped all over him, and then gets a miracle call. Somehow, I don't even know how Al Horford was reaching in there, but Al Horford fouls him. Um, the TNT crew didn't explain this at all, and this is kind of a problem I have with the TNT crew, where you know Jeff Van Gundy, or definitely Mike Breen, what Mike Breen is so good at, and Kevin Harlan is an incredible broadcaster, but and that's more for the play-by-play, but... Something he fails at is he doesn't explain like when things like this are happening and there's a lot going on. There's a replay review. He's not like breaking down all the different potential ramifications and the scenarios and what they could be looking at. Mike Breen's excellent at doing that. And another thing is then they have a conversation about it where it feels like Reggie Miller. And it's easy for me to hate on Reggie Miller. I know I'm a Nick fan, but he's just awful at what he does. I think they brought in Sam Van Gundy to kind of offset a little bit of what Reggie Miller does so that there could be a little bit of a conversation. But it feels like Reggie Miller's in a booth alone. Like, I don't know if there's a producer talking to him and he just doesn't hear it. I don't know if he's not listening. I don't know. Maybe he he just doesn't listen to Stan Van Gundy. He doesn't listen to the play-by-play guy either. Like, it feels like he's in his own world just commenting on the game, just saying whatever he wants. whenever. He, and, and sometimes it feels like really random. So in that spot, there's so much going on because... Why are you fouling him there, right? Al Horford, how do you even put your hands on him? He's You have him trapped in the corner. Jimmy Butler, if the foul occurs, right, it w- they're looking at a few different things. They wanted to see if he's behind the three-point line. They wanted to see if it was on the shot and how much time was remaining. And what's clear to everyone is that if the foul was on the shot, then there was only 2.1 seconds left. And it was a three-point shot. But if the foul came before the shot, then it should have been two free throws, not three free throws. Did I say free three? Three free throws. Difficult one to say there. Um, (laughs) if the foul was before the shot, I'm going to gather myself right here. If the foul was before the shot, then it should have been only two free throws and there should have been three seconds, but instead somehow Miami gets both benefits where they said it was on the shot, but there were still three seconds remaining. Nobody in the moment talked about it because the broadcast didn't even mention it. It didn't even occur to me in the moment that those 0.8 seconds would matter that much, right? But obviously it does. So Jimmy Butler goes to the line with three seconds remaining. Instead of 2.2 or 2.1, he goes to the line with three seconds remaining to shoot three free throws. And for a guy who stunk, and he also missed a free throw earlier, a guy who stunk all game, just the, the they kept zooming in on his face. And Boston, what they were doing was so funny. Rob Williams, like, walking. No, no, I want to stand on this side of the basket. No, I'm going to stand on this side. Oh, actually, no, you come. They kept moving around trying to ice him between the free throws, which was smart. And someone did point that out on the broadcast. So I I got to give them credit where it's due. I think uh, Stan Van Gundy mentioned it on the broadcast. By the way, another thing Stan Van Gundy mentioned throughout this game that I forgot to mention that I did make note of. Stan Van Gundy said something very interesting, and then we'll get back to Jimmy Butler. He said, look, Miami's 
giving effort. Miami's playing hard. All that heat culture stuff that you talk about, it was all there in game six, and yet they were still losing. They were still down 10, down 11, because the talent disparity, the talent disparity was finally catching up to the heat in this game. You saw it in game five. You saw it in game six. Game four was a little different, but game five and six, you just saw that if Jimmy Butler doesn't have it, the rest of the team is just really not that good. This is what I've been saying about the Heat all along. They're not that good. And yes, I went on a tirade last episode talking about their role players. Now I know Gabe Vincent didn't play in game five, but the role players came back to the means. They came back to reality. They came back to normals. Like Kyle Lowry can't hit anything. Kyle Lowry just stinks. He's just there to foul guys hard. Like he karate chopped Rob Williams at some point in this game. Like he is just a dirty, nasty, gross player. That's all he is at this point. Kevin Love is not like these guys are tired. They've played a lot of minutes, a lot of games. You've been relying on them. And they're just starting to come back to the players that they've been most of their career before this playoff run. I I don't know what to tell you. But Jimmy Butler still, he goes to the line with a chance to take the lead down to and calm cool and collected those are three of the most clutch free throws you'll ever see and those are three of the most clutch free throws that will be forgotten forever because of what took place next but they go up three essentially you think the series is over you closed out the series jimmy butler i mean that's that's playoff jimmy that's the guy who despite struggling all night long despite not having it despite starting three of 17 he went to the line in that spot and willed his team and got the team to a one-point lead uh, with three seconds remaining. And now Boston has to inbound the ball. They call their final timeout, which Joe Mazzula had in his back pocket. Good for him. He saved it. Um, they call their last timeout. They advance the ball. They always say watch out for the inbounder on these plays. In this play case, that was very true. Derek White was the inbounder. He's looking for Jimmy Butler. And what Max Struess did... Um, is Struess is trying to double Tatum, just deny Tatum the ball. So he's not even defending the inbounder. There's no one, he's kind of on him, but he had his back towards him. So he's not really defending the inbounder. He's uh, defending, just making sure Butler, or just making sure Tatum doesn't get the ball, which is the right move. Tatum is the best scorer on the team. He's the best two-point shooter on the team. You're only up by one. You got to make sure Tatum doesn't get the ball in the paint or doesn't get the ball anywhere inside the three-point line. Um, that's what they do. So White has to inbound it. He chucks it in from the left baseline or from the left sideline, I should say. Uh, he chucks it in to Marcus Smart on the wing. And then White, the second he throws the ball in, immediately cuts to the corner, to the left corner. Um, but instead of seeing him wide open in the corner, Marcus Smart decides, I'm going to immediately, when I catch this ball, shoot a turnaround three-pointer. And I, I was like... Again, I was with my heat. I'm like, it's over, dude. You had you got Marcus Smart to turn a, to shoot a turnaround three at the buzzer. Like, are you kidding me? He shoots a turnaround three at the buzzer. Obviously, uh, Derek White sees that he's not getting the ball, so he cuts to the basket. Struess actually gets caught behind Marcus Smart as he's taking the shot. I didn't even see it live. Like, I see Smart take the shot. I'm like, what are you doing, Marcus Smart? You're turning taking a turnaround three down one with a million better options on the team and a wide open guy in the corner and Derek, what, what, like with three seconds still, but he takes the shot. I see it go halfway down. I'm like, no, he actually hit that. He hit that three. I, it was halfway down. It rims out. And I'm like, oh, it's over. Game over the end. And that's what I thought. He missed it. The end, heat win. 
And then I see the ball bounce back up and in, but I look, I'm like, okay, the but the buzzer went off, right? I thought, and I didn't see White underneath there. I just saw Struess behind him. I was like, okay, Struess just bounced it af- back up and in, like in celebration after the buzzer went off, right? And then they show it again, and it was so clear and obvious that Derek White slips in, gets between, because he made that cut, Struess is caught behind him. He flips it back up into the basket. I mean, just the craziest hustle play, the craziest shot I've ever seen. And they win the game. And he knew he got it off in time immediately. They look, they call it good on the court. And then they review it. They only had to review it for a second because it was so obvious the ball was out of his hand with 0.1 seconds remaining. And Boston wins. It was just crazy. And if you think about all the different things that led to that, I'm just like, I don't understand. If Smart doesn't heave it, so early if he doesn't just turn around and heave this crazy turnaround three with the full three seconds remaining there's no time for the putback right because it would have been out and that's it game over if he waits any longer and if they don't add time in the first place obviously there's no time for this putback and if it doesn't go halfway down first which is what I'm as I like the way my mind went back and forth where I see this shot from Marcus Smart going halfway down and then out if it doesn't go halfway down, then there's more time, but maybe Derek White doesn't even get to the basket in time because it just bounced off the rim in a different angle. But it almost had to, every single part of this play had to be perfect for it to happen this way. And this is why sports is crazy. And you could talk about scripted all you want. You can't script this. The way it rims out perfectly and Derek White is right there on the left side of the basket and just tips it in. He knows the situation. He knows, I don't really have time to catch and shoot. I can just kind of, grab and release it as quickly as I can. He does it. He times it perfectly, even with the ball spinning off the rim like that and going halfway down first. And it all had to be so perfect, and it was, which is, it's almost like, oh, this is destiny. Because if it doesn't happen, if one of those things, Smart doesn't chuck that, if they get the ball into Tatum instead of Smart, maybe he misses a layup or misses a turnaround mid-range jumper for, for the win. But no, everything had to be hap- happen perfectly. They get it to Smart. Obviously, Struess gets caught behind the shooter. Smart takes this crazy turnaround three with three full seconds remaining. The ball goes halfway down and rims out. And then out of nowhere, Derek White just comes in. Just like everything was perfect. And when you think about how these things happen sometimes, like the Kevin Millar walk or like the Dave Roberts steal, these things happen perfectly. It's crazy. They always have to happen perfectly perfectly. <laughs> And they do, and this is where you're like, sports, there's no other way to explain this. There's no logical explanation to explain what happened on the basketball court in Miami on Saturday night. It's just wild stuff. And now Derek White is a hero. Derek White, I mean, that's one of the great all-time hero plays, right? Your season is over. It wasn't just season on the line. The season was over. When you see that Marcus shot, go up. (laughs) When I saw it go up, I thought it was over. Then I'm like, okay, it's halfway down. Actually, no, there's going to be a game seven. And then the ball rims out and you're like, oh, the season's over again. Your season was over. It wasn't like they won. And then, I mean, how do I explain this? Because this is what I wrote on Twitter after the game. I wrote something to the like effect of, I've never seen a team lose a game and then come back and win that same game. Like, to go from being up 10 the way they were and previously up 11 and blow those two leads. They blew an 11-point lead in the fourth quarter or at the end of the third quarter. And then they blew a 10-point lead at the end of the fourth quarter. 
You blow those two leads. You don't deserve to win this game. You were doing everything you possibly can to lose this game if you're Boston. And not only were you doing everything you can to lose this game, you're down one and you take the buzzer-beating shot and you miss the buzzer-beater. I think that's the craziest part. I've never seen a team miss a buzzer-beater. And I think this, I finally got it. I finally got how I'm going to explain it. I've never seen a team miss a buzzer-beater and then hit the buzzer-beater, the same buzzer-beater right after. Like, that was the last shot of the game. The Marcus Smart turnaround heave was the last shot of the game. And I didn't see anyone. I don't know if they asked Marcus this. Did he purposely shoot it quickly because he was leaving some time on? I'm sure now he'll say he was. Did he not know the situation? Did he not know how much time there was? What happened on that play? Was it just panic and chaos? And the play was to get the ball to Tatum. And once you didn't get the ball to Tatum, he froze. He panicked and was like, ah, I just got to put this up. I'm not sure what happened there. I, I don't even know if he knows what happened there. But to go from, they literally lost the game, not only because they blew an 11-point lead and blew a 10-point lead, they lost the game on that shot. The shot missed. The shot that was supposed to be the last shot of the game missed. And Derek White makes one of the greatest hero plays you'll ever see, one of the greatest hustle plays you'll ever see. How many guys would have just, they see the shot go up, they stop moving. Like, the game's over. It's Your season's over. But not only that, he ran to the corner first right after he inbounded. He dashed to the corner to be like, hey, I'm oh, he saw Struess not defending him. I'm open. Okay, I'll get the shot. And then when that didn't happen, he runs to the basket. Those are guys, you talk about 16-game players, you talk about winning players. That's a huge winning play. That's a guy who understands. I'm Even if the shot goes in, whether the shot misses, whether the putback's late, no matter what, it's not going to be because I wasn't in the best possible position I could have been in. And the two guys who are the biggest part of this play, a team that has Al Horford, who's been around forever, a team that has Jalen Brown, who's been in so many big playoff games and is the second best player on the team, Jason Tatum, who is the best player on the team and has obviously been in a thousand big situations. The two guys who made this play happen, just so typical that it was going to be Marcus Smart, but it's Derek White of all people, just a throwaway trade that they made. Um, and you, to think that that was what turned their season, that's what saved their season. And he becomes a hero in Boston unless they lose game seven. Because if they lose tonight, none of it matters. Everything we just talked about, being up 10 and blowing it, being up 11 and blowing it, Jimmy Butler's three free throws that already have been forgotten, even though they shouldn't be forgotten because they were incredible in their own right. All those things. None of it matters. None of it matters. If Boston loses tonight. It's all forgotten. The 3-0 lead, the comeback, everything's forgotten. Boston fans will remember it. Heat fans will remember it. But does it really matter if you don't win Game 7? And that's why Game Seven's the best. Because we got to this point that now tonight at 8.30 on TNT and TD Garden, Boston Garden, both teams have to win this game. Both teams are desperate to win this game because of everything that happened. Miami can't have that be their season, right? We know what happened. Miami has the Ray Allen shot against the Spurs, and then they come out in Game 7 and wipe the floor, right? It's like once we hit that shot, that big moment shot, the Spurs had no chance, right? It feels the same way. Boston also, the Red Sox in 4 right after they come back, it's 3-3. They blew out the Yankees in Game 7. It was over. It feels like Boston should blow out the heat tonight, right? 
So I imagine all the 04 Red Sox are going to be in the building. You're going to have Millar there. You're going to have Pedro there. I hope those guys are there. Because this would be the first time in NBA history that a team comes back from a 3-0 deficit and actually wins the series. Teams being up 3-0 are 150-0. And this is only the fourth time that a team has forced a Game 7 after being down 0-3 in the NBA playoffs. And it's the first team to have Game 7 that they forced on their home court. So you think this is lining up perfectly for the Boston Celtics in this game. There's, I mean, the Boston-Boston connection is so just weird. Because of course it's Boston, right? (laughs) Of course it would be Boston. The Red Sox, the Celtics. These Boston, I never gave up. I always had belief in these guys. The guys who wanted Missoula fired last week. And by the way, like if they lose tonight, does Missoula still get fired? Like, how does that even happen? How do you go back? Like all of a sudden, I think I think Missoula's pretty good. <laughs> you should have heard Bill Simmons last week. I knew this was going to happen. Where once I saw the game on Saturday night, I knew it was going to be this. But last Sunday, Ryan Rosillo and Bill Simmons did two and a half hours. They didn't even talk about the Heat. They did two and a half hours on do they trade Jalen? How does how's this team move forward? How's this team get better? Is Tatum the guy? Is he not the guy? How did this team give up? Are we done with Marcus Smart? Missoula's got to be thrown into a burning building. Get him out of here. And then those same two guys come back and do two hours on never a doubt. Missoula's the best. I actually think he coached really well. Direct quote from Bill Simmons. I actually think he coached really well. I'm like, dude, ow. (laughs) This is the same guy that you were bashing. Um, But again, no team in the NBA has done it. We know about the one team in baseball. It's happened once in hockey. That's it. This is so rare that we have this. Not only is it a game seven, it's a game seven that was forced because of a miraculous, incredible play. It's a game seven, a rematch of last year's game seven of the conference finals, right? Think about that, where Jimmy Butler misses a three. He had a three rim out. Doesn't he wish he had someone standing under the basket for him? But he had a three rim out, and that's why he lost the game last year, a chance to go to the finals. So game seven with a trip to the finals on the line, the team that maybe would have gotten blown up if they would have been swept after giving up the way they gave up in game three. And then it takes a miraculous play in game six just to get to this point after they blew two double-digit leads in game six. I mean, does it get better than this? And like I said, it feels like this game probably broke the heat, right? Should have broken the heat. You come back from two multiple point or uh, double digit deficits you you don't have your guy you, you're you're at home this is your last game at home if you lose this game at home you have to go to boston and win there you lost all those demons are coming back you're starting to feel it and then you get three of the clutchest free throws from jimmy butler and then you blow it again that's got to feel terrible for miami right and then you have an opportunity in a game seven though to win it like okay delete erase it like that should have broken that team but all we talk about is heat culture all we talk about is jimmy butler and eric spolster having this team ready you blew the 3-0 lead i said it doesn't matter though none of that matters it's one game it's one game seven and on the other side if this wasn't this boston team If this was any other team, I'd be like, yeah, of course. They came back from down 3-0. This game's a wrap. The way they won game six, this game's a wrap. But with this Boston team, you just never know. It feels like every time they should win a game, every time it should just be over, 
here comes the other team lingering again. It's just, I, <laughs> I can't even explain how interesting these two teams are that of course it was going to come down to a game seven. Of course it wasn't just going to be a normal series. So I don't feel that the Heat are broken, even though they should be. I don't feel that Boston should cruise, even though they probably should. And for those people who wanted Brown fired and Missoula or Missoula fired and Brown traded a week ago, does coming back from 3-0 really change your mind? Like what happens if they lose tonight? If Boston loses tonight, let's look at that from that perspective. If Boston loses tonight, do you still like, okay, it was a success because they came back from 3-0? What do you want? You want a cookie? Like they could have, you, you could say all these things, right? They could have quit. They could have just decided to give up. They showed resiliency. This is great. Is that really a positive though? When you blew multiple 10-point leads or double-digit leads in game six and it took a miracle to win. When you gave up in the third quarter because you were down 15 of game three, really the second quarter, they started chucking threes once they were down 15 of game three. All of a sudden, we're going to forget that. That team all of a sudden is, doesn't exist anymore. That same team to, that lost games, game one at home to James Harden alone in a playoff series. Like all these things are starting to come back. That same team that let the Hawks linger. All of a sudden, all those problems go away because they won three straight games just to lose game seven at home. So I don't think it's a positive for them to win game seven. For, or for them to lose Game 7 just because they force Game 7, I should say. Obviously, if they win Game 7, the finals won't be a cakewalk. But it's back-to-back -back years in the finals. I still give them a better chance of winning the finals. I'm talking about Boston. Than the Heat, right? Missoula for sure gets a second year if you make it to the finals. So if they win, if Boston wins then yes, they keep the team together. They figure out a way. They're like, okay, we came back. This is historic. That doesn't mean they'll guaranteed win the finals. I still th They have a better chance than Miami. But I still think the Nuggets are a great team. Like The 0-4 Red Sox, once they beat the Yankees and came back from 3-0, it was over, right? right? They, they were going to beat whoever was there. It doesn't feel that way. It still feels like the Nuggets are watching this like, great, you guys beat each other up for seven games. We're here. We're good. Like This Nuggets team is really, really good. They dominated the Lakers. They dominated games five and six against two all-time great players on the same team in Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Like, this team is insane, this Nuggets team. So, it's not going to be a cakewalk, but at least that way, it buys them time. You're not panicking. But if they lose, I don't see how you could just say that, all the, the, that coming back from 3-0 is enough for all those negative things that we talked about for the last two months with this Boston team to just disappear I don't think you could say that I do think all the pressure though is still on Miami because Miami had that game one they had game six one even though Boston had the lead most of the game but Miami had it and it's just a fluky loss and all we talked about on last episode Jimmy freaking Butler heat culture well Jimmy Butler sucked in games five and game six and that's the only reason we're here if if Jimmy Butler was decent in games five and six, I know at the end of game six, I said he tried to will them to victory, but if he was decent throughout that game, if he was solid in game five or just mediocre in game five, we wouldn't be here today. So Jimmy Butler has to show up. There's pressure on him to show up. And you talk about heat culture. 
Well, Heat culture blew a 3-0 lead, and it proved that talent catches up. You could have culture, you could have the coaching, all those things, but Boston's much more talented. That's what I said after Game 4 on the podcast. I'd still take Boston's roster, and now it's all about one game. It's not about winning four in a row. That already happened. The three in a row happened. It's over. Now it's one game for each team. And the team with more talent is the Boston Celtics. And it's not particularly close. If Miami wins, I still think they'll get blown out in the finals. But they'll just be happy to have survived this series. It's like, wow, what a roller coaster ride. We went from up 3-0 in the series to the, crown the greatest team ever. I, did, I still told you, even if they swept the series, that I thought they were going to get killed in the finals. But you're up 3-0 in the series. Great, This team is awesome, right? Heat culture, blah, blah, blah. To all of a sudden now, they're on the brink. How are they ever going to come back from this excruciating loss the way they lost in Game 6? To if they win, it'll just that alone will feel like a victory for them that they even made it to the finals. An eight seed, the second eight seed ever to make it to the finals since the 90s Knicks. Great. Congratulations. And then Nikola Jokic will drop three straight triple doubles in four games, and the Nuggets will be the champions. Wonderful. That's honestly what I think will happen. Also, for people who think that tonight's game is going to take the pressure off of the 04 Yankees. If Boston wins, I don't think it's like taking the monkey off the back of the Yankees that the Heat are now the second team that to blow a 3-0 lead to Boston. It just is going to make the Yankees talk about more because, again, it's another Boston team and all those things, all those things are going to come back and we're going to keep talking about the Yankees because that's what we do. Ridiculous. So who will win? That's what everyone wants to know. I told you the ramifications for Boston. told you the ramifications for the Heat. Who's actually going to win? It's one game. You can't look at the previous games. Boston's much better. They are the better team. They've been all year. They're a 57-win team. They have all these players. Which, by the way, I did want to talk about this for a second. (laughs) It's funny. I could play both sides so easily. Because Miami... Think about it. They're a different team than they were all season. So you can't even look at the regular season. We We talked about the clutch numbers. But Bam missed time and Jimmy missed time. We know that. But they also had Oladipo playing more minutes. They also had Hero playing more minutes. And I know both those guys are good, and we always looked at it as like, well, those guys are hurt, so they should be even worse. Not necessarily, because it's a cohesive unit. It's a team. So those two guys being out maybe is actually good for the team in a way, even though those guys are better players than the players that are playing. But whatever. I digress. The point is, the regular season doesn't matter so much. But Boston, on paper, Boston, the roster, if I did a draft of both rosters... Five of my first seven picks would be Boston players easily, right? The top seven players in the series, I don't know, off the top of my head, go Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, obviously not in that order, but Jimmy, Bam, Tatum, Brown, uh, Brogdon if he plays, White, Horford, Smart. When are we going to get to the next Heat player? I guess Gabe Vincent's been pretty good. He's been really good, I should say. Max Struess has been okay. All these role players, Kevin Love, what he's been, he's been on and off. It's not close. Boston is a way more talented team. Yet I don't trust Boston because of everything we talked about. They blew two double-digit leads in the third and fourth quarters of the game in game six. Boston blew the game in game one, blew a game in game five in the Philadelphia series. 
all these games down the stretch that Boston loses, how can you trust this Celtics team? Here's what I think. If it's close, if it's low scoring, close game, kind of like we saw in game six, I trust Miami to pull it out. It was a fluke that Boston won. Boston controlled that game all the way through, gave up the lead. I know they only shot 20% from three and that's not going to happen again. So I guess that's a positive for Boston. But if it's one of those close, low scoring games again, which usually game sevens are because teams are tight. That's how it feels like the over under for this game points wise is 204. That's nothing. 204 points. That's it. So I do feel like I would say that I would lead Miami if it's that kind of game and it should be that kind of game. But on the other side, if it's not like that, Boston should blow the doors off of them. I really think Boston should, like Miami has gotten to their end. This is what I said, what Stan Van Gundy was talking about. It's nothing to do with, at this point, the coaching, the hustle, the heart, the grit, all those things that we talk about, the heat culture, none of it matters because the talent caught up to them and that's it. It's over. Boston should blow them out. That's, that's really what I think should happen. Boston should blow them out. But if it was any other team, I would tell you 1,000% Boston would blow them out. Like Boston, the way they... I finally thought they got their monkey off the back when they go into Philadelphia in game six and win game six the way they did. They come home and Jason Tatum goes off in the fourth quarter of game six, the fourth quarter of game seven. It felt like this team finally unlocked something and Jason Tatum unlocked something. How does that same team go down 3-0 to this Heat team? I don't understand. That's why I don't trust Boston. So I'm going back and forth. So if you're gambling, here's my gambling advice. I take Miami and the under, parlay those two together, and Boston and the over, and see if they can overlap. If you could adjust the lines a little bit to overlap on both sides. So you have a, a window where you could win both bets. But like I said, if it's going to be a blowout, I take the Celtics and Jason Tatum to score 50 points or 40, I guess, because it's a blowout. And if it's a close game, I still am leading Miami because the end of game stuff with Joe Mazzulla, because the way they slow down, the heat do at the end of games, the way they freeze up, Marcus Smart's going to be taking the biggest shot. I don't know. That's that's my feeling towards this game. Uh, Gut feeling if I have to pick a side because I have to pick a side, I think we got a Tatum game. I do. I do think we get 40 points from Tatum and a blowout, but I don't know. I mean, is Jimmy going to show up? Like Jimmy Butler, where is he? We haven't seen him in two games, right? We haven't seen him much in this series at all. And really the last two games, he was awful. Still almost makes the biggest free throws of his career. He missed that three in game seven last year at home. Does he want to now go on the road and tear their hearts out in Boston in a game seven as payback for last year. That would be quite the turnaround story for Jimmy Butler. I'll, I'll give you that. But I, I, I just don't know. Even if he shows up, even if Jimmy Butler does show up, is that enough? Is that enough for this Heat team? Who else is going to show up? You need Bam. It's almost like we talked about with the Lakers where they had the Lonnie Walker game. They had the Reeves game. They had all these guys step up and eventually there wasn't enough guys to step up anymore. We've seen Strews step up. We've seen Duncan Robinson step up. I thought he was going to be the guy who stepped up because he hit so many big shots. He had that back cut and yet he misses two huge threes. Kyle Lowry, are we expecting anything out of him? 
I'm not, other than some dirty fouls and some flops. Kevin Love, Gabe Vincent, any of these guys? I don't know. I don't. I, even if Jimmy Butler goes off and has a great Jimmy game, there might not be anyone else that can go along with him. He could be awesome and they could lose by 20. So that's why I lean Boston. Just I'm going more talent. I'm going the guy who I think is going to go off at home. We've seen him do it. And I think Boston wins by 15 points, 20 points, and Jimmy Butler goes off. And all those things we talked about with the Celtics, or I rather with the Heat, it's just the same thing over again. Right? We talked about Heat culture. We talked about Jimmy Butler. What was it worth if you're remembered? They won't be remembered for the eight seed that beat Milwaukee in five games. That won't be remembered. You won't be remembered as the eight seed that beat New York in six games. You'll be remembered as the team that blew a 3-0 lead in the conference finals. Everything they created this postseason will get erased immediately in one night if they lose tonight. That's what's on the line for the Miami Heat. So I, I think there's more pressure on the Heat. I may have said there was more pressure on the Celtics before, but no, there is more pressure on the Heat for sure. I think I actually did say there was more pressure on the Heat. Because the Celtics, you came back. Like I don't agree with it that coming back is worth something if you lose tonight, but you came back. You could rest on that. Look, we didn't quit. All those great things. We're resilient. What, you wanted to just quit? Like, like I don't know. You want a cookie for not quitting? You're getting paid millions of dollars to play basketball. You shouldn't have quit in game three either, and you did. So all I'm going to say is enjoy the game. That's that's what I got. It's 8.30 on TNT. It'll probably start on time because um, the TNT games do start on time as opposed to ESPN games that start about 15 minutes late. It's the last night that we'll have Ernie and Shaq and Chuck and Kenny on the TNT crew which is sad because they're awesome. But it's also the last night that we'll have uh, uh, Stan Van Gundy and Reggie Miller on the broadcast. So that's a good thing. I'll talk to you guys after this game. We'll preview the finals. There's a lot of football to talk about. Once these two teams are eliminated or one of these teams are eliminated, there'll be more NBA offseason to break down and a whole bunch of other stuff. A lot to get to. I had another... um, did I talk about Monty Williams getting fired? I don't even remember. Um, I had another Lakers point I want to talk about. Some of you know the offseason stuff. So we'll get into all of that over the course of the summer. Obviously, football, Aaron Rodgers. He was at two Taylor Swift concerts this weekend. What a guy. Um, and a whole lot more on the Rami Love V podcast. So stay tuned for more. Enjoy Game 7 tonight. Big game. Going to be fun. Until then, like, subscribe, share it with a friend, follow, check out my sponsors, check out all the different advertisements and stuff because it helps me. Please share it with a friend. That helps me too. If you like it, share it. That's that's what I say. And until next time, I will talk to you guys soon. You were the best nights of my life. You got the light that always shines. I miss the way that you move and the way I get high When you take me to your eyes Like I'm standing in the sky I see your subway cars and your old graffiti I 
breathe your air when I land in another city I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones Yeah, you're all I know Everywhere I go, oh, oh, I ain't changed it oh, 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 Always on my road, I'm still New York Birds flying on the high line With the sidewalks burning We pray for rain in July I want the Yankees 99 yeah. And the Knicks on a sold out night When the curtains close And the Broadway streets are alive hey. I need your heartbeat close Don't you ever leave me And I breathe your air When I land in another city And I'll be that one that's got you Printed on my bones Yeah, you're all I know Everywhere I go Oh, oh, oh I change it Oh, oh, oh Always on my I was Godsend. I used to hit them courtyard and prospect. Take them long walks on my time spin. Just a kid with that empire state of mindset. Kick flipping off a blind deck. Dipping from the New York City's finest. Yeah, said I've been up on my New York shit. Walking down the block with my New York bitch. I can never leave my city. Ain't nothing like it. Even if I do, though, I can never hide it. Top down on the west side when I'm driving. East side be the only side that I'm riding. And I'm still New York. I'm still here.